It is the 200 level episode 103 MLB season preview. We're talking baseball and it is by the time you listen to this six days from opening day and as a Yankees fan, Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole Thursday night ESPN. I will wake up like a kid on Christmas morning. It is something that we've all been longing for. If you're a baseball fan, especially, but even just as a sports fan, live sports, professional sports, And for baseball especially, because that is such a sign that summer has arrived, it is a tradition sort of based sport much more than others, where for me, baseball is one of those things that throughout a summer, I just have it on. And much more as a kind of casual, passive observer, though there will be the games that I pick and choose to really kind of hone in on. In this 60-game season, I'm going to be into every single one of them, pretty much, and whether that be watching it on TV or finding a stream online or just keeping tabs on my phone almost every single inning. I cannot wait for that. I miss, and I don't know whatever app you use on your phone, whatever sports app, but I miss waiting to see if the next pitch is a ball or strike and taking your thumb, uh, reloading the screen and just seeing if they've updated if there is another out or did they get that guy in from second. And it's amazing because you're all, all you're wa- watching are dots essentially on your phone, but I'm excited enough for that. I'm just ready for baseball to return. So what better person to have on the podcast than Casey Boguslaw? We spoke for over an hour, so I'm not going to have too long of an opening segment. We can get right to it. We talk all things baseball. Of course, we get into division races later, and we have the three regions, East, Central, and West. And then in each uh, one of those, you have the American League and National League divisions. And the playoff setup is the same. It did not get expanded this year. The difference... Of course, being universal DH, that will have a huge impact. And I think about the Cubs specifically and how there's been this issue about where do you put Kyle Schwarber and left field is the default because that's where you stick your worst defender more often than not. Well, they don't need to do that now. He can be a DH essentially for the entire season, and that is kind of what he's built for. So that will help a team like the Cubs more than will others that don't have a Kyle Schwarber-like player. A lot of things that we get into in this conversation. If you like baseball, you'll certainly enjoy it, and I think we're all chomping at the bit for it. Before we get into some news that came out of the University of Illinois, I want to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com. You can order online. Get all the best deals and prices there. Get a custom zone with any topping that you want or get one of their favorites like Maui Wowie, the buffer zone, dipping sauce included, of course, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's the key. They'll deliver it right to your doorstep, piping hot, dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL or the 200LEVEL for 10% off your order. It's hot outside. You need t-shirts. You don't want hoodies, and they do have a crew neck sweatshirt you can get when it gets colder out. But for now, you need cool t-shirts, and you get them forth in Kirby. They're vintage-inspired Alani apparel, taking it from old programs and old logos. Really awesome stuff. I have a couple shirts myself. It's high-quality work from the guys at Forth and Kirby, online at forthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life auto, home, business, renters, you name it, they got it. And not only are they insurance experts, but they are local products, born and raised, Champaign-Urbana. So they have your local interest at heart. That means something. You need to be able to trust your insurance advisor and also know that they have your best interest at heart. So check out State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at Trevor's favorite domain, brianismyguy.com. Finally, Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. So today, I say today, but you're listening to this on Friday. On Thursday, the University of Illinois held a kind of virtual press conference with Chancellor Jones, Josh Whitman, 
And they spoke as to what game day Saturdays are going to look like at the university. We are looking at about 20% capacity. That's in line with the state rules for phase four. That would be between 10 and 12,000 people in Memorial Stadium to watch the game. You're also looking at grab-and-go concessions, whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm envisioning like a long cafeteria table, and you pay by credit, and then you just pick up your hot dog and your beer, and you go out to your seat. They had a map of how these seats are going to be allocated and distributed throughout the stadium, and it's something like at least four seats between any pair or set of four seats to space it out, and I think either two, three, four rows as well. What this may mean is some season ticket holders may get stuck in the nether regions of the upper deck. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're using the whole stadium here to divvy up these tickets. There are a few other things, though, and this is where the hit in terms of how many people actually will want these tickets comes into play. Certainly the locations do, right? If you were someone that had 50-yard line, then all of a sudden you are being shuttled to the 20-yard line in the east balcony, you might be less likely to go to the games. Masks are required. Dun, dun, dun. I know it's outside, but that will still get some people's ire for whatever reason, though it seems like a pretty easy concession to make. Though I will say, and we've all experienced this, a Memorial Stadium in September, you can get some really hot Saturday games. Masks are not always fun to wear. I get it. I wear it when I go in a grocery store, but when I come out of the grocery store, rest assured, I'm taking it off. And then whew, I got that thing off my face. So I get the inconvenience factor of it. But to be outside in the heat of September with a mask on for the entire game, that, mm, okay. I understand why that would make some people think, you know what, I'd rather just watch it at home. That's a long time to wear a mask, for sure. In the heat especially. Actually, in November, it wouldn't be all that bad if you need to keep your face warm. And maybe going forward when it is cold weather, I'll just use some of these masks post-pandemic that I wouldn't be using anyways to keep my face warm because God knows it gets cold in there in November. And then you also have the factor of no tailgating. Now, I understand in principle why they are not allowing tailgating, or I should say why the state says you can't do that, because these are unpoliced. You would have a tailgate going on, and you cannot make sure the people within that tailgate are social distancing, even if they are outside. You can't make sure that the group is no more than 10, 12, or 15 people. It could balloon far larger than that. It's really just that, the lack of control over individual tailgating spots and that you cannot assure that those people are going to be following all the guidelines that they need to. It sucks, certainly. It is an outdoor activity. It's the biggest reason, to be quite honest, why I've been going to games regularly for the last 10 years. Not the games themselves, but all too often the tailgate is far more fun than the actual game in the stadium. So that is a major hit in terms of the game day experience. And I understand why people would think, oh, come on, really? But you got to understand why they're doing that. It is, again, the lack of being able to police it and control it. Whereas you go in the stadium and there's probably going to be enough staff to make sure that you're socially distanced in your seats, that you're wearing a mask, all those sorts of things. Not going to be easy or perfect by any means inside the stadium, but going to be far easier to police than what you would out in lot 31. That all being said, you look at the way this is trending. And I know that Josh Whitman said today that he's pretty optimistic and more optimistic that it is a Big Ten only schedule that they can move things around as needed, that if something were to pop up, they have more flexibility than if they would have kept the old schedule. So I completely understand why the Big Ten and other conferences are making that move to conference-only schedules. But the way things are trending, Mark Emmert made a statement today, or Thursday, again, whenever you're listening to this podcast, about how it's not looking good. In other words, that if trends don't change, it's hard to envision college sports 
being played this fall. And that's just a fair statement to make when you consider the way that these numbers are ballooning in a lot of states and just simply rising in, I think, 39 of 50 states. That is a troubling trend that I don't think we would have anticipated in early June. Not to this extent, but it is getting worse. So that is something that we're going to have to continue to watch. I feel like a broken record, and I I don't want this to become some sort of show where we just harp on the pandemic because all of us are being beaten over the head by the pandemic, whether it be the news or whether it be just living through this moment. So I don't want to get redundant with it, certainly. But that is the caveat. That's the thing that's just kind of lingering out there that could derail this whole thing. Best laid plans can still be foiled by what's going on right now. doesn't feel that way necessarily in Illinois. It's like we've been the good kid in class. We've done everything right. But unfortunately, some of the bad kids in class, you know, states to the south that weren't really taking this as seriously, these viruses tend to spread, right? I mean, that's kind of the nature of these things. And it seems inevitable that when students come back, there will be a bump. Now, will it be the case for the actual football players? Maybe not. We wouldn't know. And this is still something that kind of troubles me is a person who lives about five minutes away from the football performance center, that we wouldn't even know if a case, a positive case emerged from one of these student athletes that lives in our community. And at the end of the day, Champaign-Urbana, for those that live there, it's like a really big, small town. And transmission probably wouldn't be all that difficult if you get a hot spot emerging on campus. And then before you know it, these kids go to the same Walgreens I go to or whatever it may be. So there are, of course, the health and safety concerns. But as we sit here on basically smack dab in the middle of July and six weeks, seven weeks, maybe eight weeks away from whenever this Big Ten only football season would start. Yeah, I want to get back to it. You know, in the conversation I have with Casey about baseball, I'm reminded about how much live sports provide a distraction, how much they provide entertainment. And God knows we need that right now more than probably ever before. And I really would love to think that I can wake up on a Saturday morning this fall, and I'm not going to go to the games if there are games at the stadium, but I'm going to set up a little home tailgate, put the TV on the porch, make a day of it. And and these are these little tokens, these little symbols that I think remind us of the fun parts of life, the things that in a normal week in a non-pandemic world, we'd be looking forward to the tailgate on Saturday. We'd be looking forward to a full day's worth of watching college football and then pro football on Sunday. I know for the fall, it makes my week that much more fun, especially when the Bears or Illinois are having a a decent season to look forward to the weekend and know that I can just kind of sit back, zone out, and just be a sports fan for about a 48-hour period. We long for that. It's tantalizingly close right now despite all the other factors that are playing against it. But at the end of the day, as someone doing a podcast about Illini sports, I would love to have Illini sports to talk about. I'd love to get Kerry Davis on every so often and talk about the game that we just saw on Saturday, to have those conversations like Harry and Trevor and I had last fall about what we saw. And whether it's good or bad results, you know, as I was watching the House of Pain last Friday, and it was a very ugly game, and I didn't enjoy it, but I still enjoyed it if that makes sense. I didn't find it pleasing to watch, and yet I was still just happy to be watching it. And I think that's the key with sports at this moment, where if the Yankees come out next Thursday and Max Scherzer throws a no-hitter and Garrett Cole gets lit up, you know, that'll suck, but I'm still watching it. And that's a far cry from where we were a month or two months ago, where these weren't even options. So it is a good news, bad news thing. I'm I'm trying to stay optimistic about it. I think we all are. And Casey, towards the end of our interview, broaches the 
the worst case scenario, and we all know what that would be, which is the season for baseball or really any of these sports gets started and then gets canceled. But here's my mindset and call me uh, naive or call me, I don't know, whatever you want. But I'm thinking of a scenario where maybe you get 30 games into baseball and then the plug gets pulled. Well, it would suck, right? It would actually be a major punch in the gut, but I'll still take that month. I'll take that month of baseball, whether or not we actually get to a World Series or not. I'm craving it that bad. And as long as people don't get hurt, and isn't that the key, right? There's no guarantee that people are not going to get hurt, going to get sick in order to bring us this entertainment. That's the moral dilemma that I'm facing as someone that watches these games. Do they need to trot out there for my pleasure? No, they don't. But do I want them to? Yeah, I, I do. That's the dilemma, right? I, I know we're all facing it. But as we sit here now, less than a week away from baseball returning, it's it's right there. You know, for the first time in a long time, it's visible. That light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. And that is something that can affect a mood. You know, I'm noticing that, and I know for damn sure, next Thursday, long as there still is the Yankees Nationals that night on ESPN, I'm going to wake up like it's Christmas morning. I'm going to have my Yankees gear on all day. Going to be ready to pop a few drinks and just have a good time watching my team. And that is meaningful uh, more than ever. And I think as we go forward, what will be interesting on the other side of this pandemic, so many things are going to go back to normal. I know that's a tricky word because everyone has a different normal. But in terms of sports viewing, it, it pretty much will. You know, my habits in terms of watching baseball next year, if there is a full season, aren't going to be all that different from when they were in 2019 or 2009 or 1999. It's going to be about the same. But I would like to think there's at least going to be a little bit more appreciation as I'm watching it, where the Yankees team that may make the playoffs but not get out of the ALDS, that's not going to piss me off quite as much. That sometimes it actually is okay to just enjoy the fact that sports are on. Certainly we want to win, and it feels better when you do. And God knows that when they don't win, I come on this podcast and I say they, Illinois football or Illinois basketball. When they struggle, you're going to hear about it. But I think about how it's actually kind of fun to even get fired up about, you know, poor performances on the field or on the court and how all that, when it's absent, you don't have a release valve. You don't have those moments of catharsis when a team has a really crappy game and then you talk to your friends about it or you're texting your buddies about it and using profanity-laced tirades to get the point across that you don't like this player or that player. All those things that have been missing, they're right around the corner. My dislike of certain baseball players, I know it's going to hit me watching that game next Thursday. Anyone on the Nationals that is successful against Garrett Cole, I'm going to, in that moment, really dislike that player. But it's been too long since I've disliked someone in a sportsy kind of way. And those those are fun. It's fun to get the blood pressure up a little bit and fun to get excited. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most is in these baseball games coming up, in the NBA bubble, which I cannot ever proclaim to be a huge NBA fan, but you know I'll be watching it that it just plays with these little buttons in your brain that have not basically been collecting dust for the last five months. It's time to exercise that part of the brain again, right? And we're right there. So what I'm excited about as we go forward in this podcast, whether it be the conversation you're about to hear with Casey or whatever we do next week, still going to book a couple guests for that. But really, as we get into the meat of these abbreviated, but still sports seasons that we can follow, Division races, all that kind of thing, playoff pushes. 
that is something that will make this podcast, and for that matter, conversations across the country, whether that be in person or more likely a text thread, texting a buddy during a game, all those things are coming back, right? And, and that is such an essential part to, I mean, chances are if you're listening, you're in the same boat as I am. Sports are such an essential part of what kind of gets us going. For me, it's music and it's sports. Those are the two external factors that always can get, get my interest and get me excited about something instantly. You know, it can, it can push buttons that otherwise had just been sitting there. So I hope that you all get to experience that, whoever your team may be. That opening day for your team next week, you get all the old traditions. You wore your favorite jersey. You get your favorite beer. Grill out some bratwurst or maybe you make a nice brisket in the smoker. Whatever it may be. I know that's what I'm doing next Thursday. Brisket or ribs in the smoker over my brother-in-law's place to watch Yankees Nationals. I'm ready. Got a calendar event in my phone. Just to remind me when I wake up that day, oh, right, today is opening day. Maybe it's three and a half months late, but I'll take it. All right, before we get into this conversation with Casey Boguslaw, I wanted to remind you that you can rate and review the 200 level on really any podcast app. So you've got Apple, uh, I guess that'd be Apple Podcast. If you have Spotify, Stitcher, there are ways to rate and review our podcast. And what that does is it helps us get found when someone types a line eye into the search engine. So if you could spare 30 seconds, give us a rating, give us a review if you'd like as well at any of those podcast outlets. And that just, again, helps us become top of mind. And if someone types in a line, I, hey, look, uh, 200 level, haven't heard of that. Maybe that'll get some new listeners into the podcast as well. But I appreciate everyone that's been around through this summer. And really, since basketball season ended, and we've been picking up the pieces and trying to figure out how does one do a sports podcast when sports are not going on? Well, because there is still that steady base of listeners, it gives me that much more drive to want to do this and to do it well. So I really do appreciate the listeners for sticking around in what has been a very dry period for sports, but not without plenty of interesting things to follow. So thanks for following along that conversation. It, it is very meaningful, and uh, I'm excited for some of the things we have in the works going forward, uh, some... Some things in the future that I'll just say I'm, I'm very excited about. And when the time is right to let you know what those are, rest assured, I'll let you know, and I think you'll be excited too. All right, without further ado, let's get to Casey Boguslaw. We've talked with Casey for years, back on 93.5. He is a certified baseball expert, writes about the White Sox. You can follow him on Twitter at Casey Boguslaw. Easiest way to remember that, at Casey Boguslaw easy enough to remember, and someone that you really should be following, especially as baseball picks back up. So Casey and I had about an hour, five-minute conversation. We talk a wide range of issues from the pandemic and its possible impact once the season gets going. We talk about Rob Manfred, everybody's favorite commissioner. We talk about Mike Trout. I brought this up with him because I've been troubled by the feeling that Mike Trout's career will end, and I won't be able to pinpoint a single Mike Trout moment that mattered, you know, whether it be winning World Series or something like that. It feels like the best player in a generation is toiling away in obscurity. And I know it's Los Angeles, but it's the freaking Angels. And don't get me started on the Angels. Since 2002 with the Rally Monkey and the Thundersticks, I've really had a distaste for the freaking Angels. And of course, we get into division races as well. And it's pretty exciting to look at most of these. And I guess you could say the American League East, American League West, and the NL West. Let's say three out of six, you have certifiable favorites in each division. Yankees, AL East, Astros, AL West, probably. And then the NL West, the Dodgers. But the races in every other division are wide open. And 
now that I think about it, in a 60-game schedule, and we get into this as well, it is that much more open for chaos to reign, where you get these players, or sorry, teams, I guess players as well, that in a 162-game season may not make as much of an impact just because law of averages, usually teams will regress to the mean. But think about where standings often are 60 games into a regular Major League Baseball season. And you'll find a team there and say, yeah, I know that come August, they aren't going to be hanging around. And you may be right. But in the 60-game schedule, that team that in a normal season would have faded by mid-August, they're going to be in the playoffs and maybe even seeded well. So all of these things, it will be a chaotic year. It will be a crazy year. But it's baseball. And there's no better person to talk about baseball with than Casey Boguslaw. It is the 200 level. We are one week away. Well, by the time you're listening to this, six days away from Yankees and Nationals. I know there's another game that night, but I, I kind of got tunnel vision, Casey, to be honest, because as excited as I know we all are for baseball, uh, for me, knowing that it's going to be Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, kicking things off on ESPN, uh, you know, I, I know it's going to be an odd season, but at least for one night, it's going to feel like baseball is back and it's back in a big way. So where are you at on the excitement meter? One to 10 as we sit here uh, a week away from opening day. Yeah, I would say, you know, seven, eight, nine and rising. Uh, you know, I have let myself, yeah, I, I think I tweeted a couple weeks ago that I wasn't going to let myself get excited until July 28th or whatever, until it right, actually right. It actually started because even when they made the plans for the shortened season, everything finally went through and everyone finally approved everything. It still felt like there was such a long way to go. And I mean, I guess in truth, we are still a long way to go. We're not, you know, with what's going on across the country, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen day to day, but it does seem like, you know, uh, it at least seems like, yes, like you said, uh, the, the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees will be playing uh, in a few days from now. And that will at least happen, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But what's been fun, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I know the Yankees, I don't know if you have, I guess, access to it, you know, living in Illinois. But, you know, if they're airing some of their scrimmage games. But, they uh, have been. Know, the White Sox yes. have been. Yeah, yeah. The White the White Sox have been airing some of them. I know the Cubs have too. Although I don't have the marquee network. Like few few people Chicago. do at this and, point. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know, I watched my first White Sox scrimmage yesterday, and it was just cool to see that this team that I was extremely excited for back in March when they were almost done with spring training and getting to see them again. So uh, yeah, you you you're talked about your ESPN game that's coming up uh, next Sunday, but this Sunday they announced today that the Sox and Cubs are going to play on ESPN for their scrimmage game. So I'm, I'm very excited to watch that this coming uh, Sunday evening as well. So yeah, baseball is here and it's it's going to happen. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, there's there's no issues and we can get uh, an entire season and get a World Series in uh, in. 2020 calendar year. That's the hope. Let's get to possible contingency plans because I'm thinking that the biggest hurdles here, especially in hot spots. So let's say we're Miami, Tampa Bay, Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, Diamondbacks, that sort of thing. And you could probably throw the California teams in there right now as well. Though within a month, who knows? Maybe everywhere is going to be a hot spot. But what chances, and you know, you can assign a number to it or really just a gut feeling, but how are you feeling in terms of finishing the season? I think we're all probably going to find ourselves 
our, our way into at least a month into this thing, but what are likely problems that they will be facing? And then what's the likelihood they actually finish this thing off? It's going to be interesting what they decide to do because, you know, we've seen, you know, the, obviously baseball is in a lot different situation than we've seen with what's going on with the NBA and, and MLS. And, you know, MLS had a couple teams drop out of their tournament. They started out, but I guess they were, they got caught or not caught. They, they, they were discovered that they had, you know, uh, a bunch of sicknesses before they even got to their bubble. Um, some of that's happening in the NBA as well. I know Russell Westbrook, you know, just a couple days ago, discovered that he was that he had COVID and yeah, he wasn't in the bubble yet, but it's just a whole different ball game comparing what basketball and soccer are going to do. And then hockey as well uh, to baseball because baseball is, is not doing it in a bubble and they're going to travel from stadium to stadium. So, and yeah, the traveling is the interesting thing. There was an article I, I retweeted out by Andy McCullough about how everything is going well. And like I just said, everything seems right now, that we're going to get baseball, you know, very, very soon because all these teams are just practicing in their own stadiums. Obviously, they have to, you know, do wellness checks every day and make sure that, you know, when they come back to the ballpark, that they're not showing up as, um, you know, having the illness. But once travel gets involved, that's where things get a little bit sticky. And it's, you know, it's one, you know, pilot or a, a flight attendant on a, on a plane that can, can you know, get a team infected. And then what do you do from there? You know, they do have these... Uh, they call them taxi squads, you know, right now that every team has, um, you know, the, the White Sox one is set up in Schaumburg. So, you know, they are going to have, you know, the idea is if they do have 10 guys get sick all at one time, they'll have 10 guys that can come up from this team. Now, what that will mean when we look back at the 2020 season after, who knows, you know, if the Yankees or the Astros lose their entire starting rotation to, to COVID for a couple of weeks and, miss the playoffs or it happens during the playoffs. What do we even think about the season? I'm sure there's always going to be that footnote, regardless of what happens this season. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. And, you know, but I, I think right now the contingency plan is just next man up. Um, and if you do get, uh, you know, your three catchers, you know, all get go down with, with COVID, you're just going to have a fourth catcher come up from this taxi squad and just kind of have to deal with it. It's going to be the next man up. Um, you know, service time is not going to really be a problem in this time because, you know, I know the White Sox, you know, had their first round draft pick in their taxi squad that they just picked up in, in June. So he, in theory, would be, you know, one of those next man up because there's only 60. So, uh, you know, if, get it, you know, there's going to start with a 30 man roster and, you know, uh, they're going to eventually, I think, dwindle it down to 26 after a couple weeks. Um, but you only have those 60, I believe, that can even come up. Um, without, I guess, releasing somebody uh, that, that are even allowed to come up to the major league team. So, you know, but I guess, yeah, what happens if it is 15, 20 guys that all get sick? You know, the soccer, uh, bring back what happened to MLS. They had to cancel some games because so many people on the team was, was sick. They couldn't even feel the team. Could that happen with baseball? And then what happens? Do you have games just pushed back? They're already pushing the season, uh, what, to like late October? So, you know, if... Um, you know, you're going to have the World Series in November and they're still planning on having it at home ballparks. Could you have a World Series in Chicago in November? Probably not. <laughs> you know, uh, normal time, you know, the, the before COVID or not, you couldn't do that with the weather. So you're going to get into the, to that. So there's there's a lot of variables. I hope that they're planning for everything. We've seen what Rob Manfred has done. 
you know, in the last several seasons about, you know, really kind of looking ahead and I'm just not a huge fan of him and I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in him. If you are. But, yeah. And, and we, I want to get to the union dispute in a bit because unfortunately that seems to be, you know, we kick the can down the road for a 60 game season to get through this and then we'll have a full season presumably next year. And then you get into the negotiations, which I believe begin in December 2021. And as they enter those negotiations, you know, baseball has a long history of disputes between ownership and the players union. Are are we going to be entering these negotiations with the worst relations between those two entities that we've ever seen? Because I'd have to go back to 94. I was too young to really recognize the dynamics of play then. But it just seems like this has been brewing now for the last decade. Uh, in a variety of ways, like free agents, uh, I don't want to say the word collusion, but when a guy like Dallas Keuchel isn't signed until June last year, and you're thinking, okay, something's up here. A myriad of reasons. How how skeptical should we be going into next yeah. December? Really skeptical, because I think things will get even, I guess, uh, more contentious between the two sides, because I think this offseason is going to be really interesting to watch because, you know, obviously revenues are down. Owners did not make much money this season. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with fans attending games. Uh, but right now it doesn't look like anyone's you know prepared to do that. So these games will be played with no attendance. That's, you know, uh, obviously a huge revenue stream um, for these teams. So what that means is when we do get into the off season and, and this coming off season before the, the CBA for, from next, I'm talking about, you know, uh, between this season and next, is you know what are what's going to happen with free agency then you know our our, our teams going to are going to claim that they're poor because they didn't make any money this year you know uh, a guy like Mookie Betts he's obviously the top name and heading into free agency this uh, this fall and he he basically you know he he made his own bet a little bit that he said you know was he told the Red Sox that their offer was too low and he wanted to go see what was you know what free agency would bring for him which he is absolutely. Um, he deserves, he, he, he earns that right of, of, you know, of any player, once they get to free agency, that's what they're, they're striving for to get to that point. So they can make their, their big money that they were held off of from the way that the system is set up with service time right now. What will happen with the Mookie bets? Will he be low balled? Um, because, of his teams won't have, you know, that budget set up, uh, that they had planned on, you know, if there was a full 81 game home season and, and postseason and all of that. Um, I think we are going to see a huge effect just because why wouldn't I? You know, that's what we've seen the last several off seasons is these teams have spent less and less on free agents. Uh, you know, Mookie obviously is going to be somebody in that caliber of a Bryce Harper and Manny Machado uh, an off season ago where he's the right, you know, the prime age, obviously a, a five tool star that should be making as much money as absolutely anyone. But we saw how long those fights went and, you know, I, you know, Bryce, I guess, definitely got, you know, uh, a ton of money, but it was spread over a lot of years. You know, would Betts be willing to do the same thing just to, to sign a huge contract, I guess, with for a bunch of years and have that money spread out? Um, is, is that the type of deals that we're going to see? Or are we going to just see maybe some one-year deals because, uh, t- you know, a guy like Mookie Betts, say he does take a one-year deal next year. I don't really think that'll happen, but. Maybe he does, you know. Let's say we're we're COVID free. Let, let, let's have that hope. And, in a perfect and, you world, know, yeah. yeah, in a perfect world. And he wants to head into the to the twenty twenty uh, twenty twenty one season and say, I'm going to bet one year on myself. 
kick butt again and then go into free agency again where after a season where everyone made all of their money and everyone's ready to spend and then I can get my full due after that season could be you know there, there might be another matter at stake where you know it might be are we going to strike at, uh, after next season so um, that's what I'm really thinking could just pull these sides even further apart if free agency is a big dud next year and there's a lot of arguing between you know the union and the owners and Scott Boris pitching in all of you know his usual Scott Boris stuff yeah it's just going to push the sides even further apart and it's going to get even uglier if that's even possible because it's about as ugly as we've ever seen there's the old expression that the grass isn't always greener and i'm thinking back to bud selig and how he was kind of a running joke when he was commissioner and for good reason i mean there were plenty of issues that we had when he was commissioner but you know the, the good news, bad news of his era would have been the steroid issue, but it also led to some of the most popular seasons in baseball history in terms of revenue and, and how many people were watching the game. So his is a mixed bag of a legacy. I understand certainly why he wasn't the most likable guy. He was kind of um, cartoonish in a way. So Rob Manfred comes in and I'm thinking, OK, you know, it, it's something new, uh, even though not entirely because he was uh, pretty well entrenched with Bud Selig. But I don't think any, in a, any of us, I should say, could have predicted that he would be this much of a mismanager in terms of. Uh, he's kind of a public relations nightmare in terms of being the head of Major League Baseball. The entire negotiating process, not to say Tony Clark didn't have a few things he maybe could have acquiesced to, but it just seemed like he puts his foot in his mouth even more than Bud Selig, and that's remarkable. I, I, I thought that this guy was going to be a little bit more um, smooth in a way, but it just yeah. seems like he might, he, his appearance might be a little bit more uh, put together than Bud Selig. Most people's are, but his performance is not. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, the political landscape over time with our country, usually you'll have, you know, a guy on a, on a certain side of the aisle and then the next election, you'll get a guy completely on the opposite side of the aisle because the rest of the country is fed up. You thought the same thing was going to happen with baseball, you know, especially, you know, I think if you compare it to the NBA, you know, Stern and Selig, I think were fairly similar types of player uh, of commissioners, you know, uh, very strict. And, and yeah, they both had, you know, their you know, uh, oddities, I guess, but yeah. the NBA switched to Adam Silver, who was a young guy, clearly loves the game of basketball, had the players in his interest. And it was just kind of obviously the other side of the coin as, um, as David Stern. And you kind of thought the same thing was going to happen in baseball, but really it does seem like they're cut from the same side of the cloth, at least on like how they view the game. And I, I think a lot of that is, disinterest in the game that they actually rule over you know it does not seem like rob manfred really likes the sport of baseball you know you, you talked about putting his foot in his mouth he said you know about the, the thing about the trophy about how um when the you know when asked if he was ever going to if he ever thought about taking the title away from the houston astros with the cheating he thought you know he said he compared the uh the, the world series trophies to a hunk of metal that's what he said you know he thinks that the trophy that his sport gives out that every single baseball player drink, has aspirations and dreams to hold one day he called it a chunk of metal and you know that that's just the type of guy he seems like where he doesn't really i, I think appreciate the passion behind the game and he it, he treats it like a business and which i think a lot of the owners that obviously he works for um, believe the same thing. So, you know, I, I think that's the type of guy that, that they wanted to put in front of them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why we are here. And he, you know, it's, 
he always tries to push for these rules that is, uh, as fans, a lot of us say like, what is the point of this rule? Who wants this rule? And it's, it's Rob Manfred wants it for whatever reason. Um, usually it's the almighty dollar, but that's just where we're at. And uh, it's why, yeah, why there is that huge gap between ownership and the players and why there's a huge gap between major league baseball and its fans right now as well. They're going hand in hand, you know, as that, as, as the strife between those two uh, widens, so does the strife, I believe, between the sport and its fans as well. Where does Tony Clark fit into all this? Because as I'm watching these negotiations, I admitted here on the podcast <clears throat> that I had my own biases, and certainly I was on the side of the players uh, for a lot of reasons, including the fact that we will never get a complete picture of the owner's finances. And I am assuming, maybe naive but uh, of me to do this, but I assume that they probably have enough money to withstand one year of not having fans in the stands. But call, call me naive, I guess. But Tony Clark is someone that seems to... Uh, it's kind of weird because I remember from his playing days, still a relatively young guy, and yet he's been in that position for a sneaky long time and will be the guy to lead the players' union into this negotiation. What would you say about his performance? I mean, is, is he coming on, is he too strong? Is he uh, acquiesced too much? Or is he merely just doing the best he can in uh, a somewhat untenable circumstance? Uh, no, I, I don't give him a free pass. Uh, you know, I, I think that Tony Clark hasn't done a good job in his tenure at that position. Uh, you know, I, I think that they have... They've given up certain things to try to, to make things better. And a lot of that has backfired and I uh, continue to do so. And it's just kind of where we're at that. Uh, and, and I guess to his credit throughout setting up the season, the, the players stood firm on their beliefs and they didn't give up anything, but I almost feel like they didn't have too much to give up anymore. And, right. uh, and I've, I think I said the last time I was on with you with why they were having these fights to begin with is they don't want to be giving up negotiation pieces before they go into that CBA, uh, you know, discussion at the end of next offseason. It's just they need to keep their chips where they have and they don't want to give up anything. You know, uh, it basically took Manfred to, 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 to say, yeah, we're playing 60 games because the sides really just neither side wanted to budge. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the most credit that I can give Tony Clark right now is at least he stood firm there. But, uh, the, the damage is done and yeah, they can, and it's kind of just why I think that a, a strike is almost inevitable because it's, it's the only chip that, that the players really have left. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And we, we've seen this coming and it, it's still going to suck because it does feel inevitable. It feels like the 2022 season will be similar to 2020 shortened in some way, shape or form. And that when it does return, we talk about how after 1994, there was that lag in getting fans back. And maybe it was uh, certainly the home run chase had a lot to do with that. But I, I don't recall, Casey, and I, I think you and I are about the same age. I don't recall how low baseball's Q rating got with the public in 1995. But I know now that the NFL is more popular. When I think about my sixth graders, they love the NBA. Hockey's hockey, so that's kind of a niche thing. But baseball is, is firmly entrenching itself as number three. And, and it seems like it's not going to climb out of that anytime in the foreseeable future. Yeah, you, you, looking back at 94, you know, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm right in that middle age, you know, I was 
10, 10 years old. Uh, you know, so I still kind of had that love for, of baseball. And of course, you know, baseball wasn't out of my life. I was still playing it and I was still playing the video games. So I don't necessarily think I, it, it wasn't a hundred percent out of my life. So I didn't, I guess, have that much of a, uh, you know, it, it hasn't resonated uh, throughout my life about remembering kind of the gap in baseball, but I remember it coming back and I remember that, you know, if for so long, and even just the reaction of watching sports on every day, that it just wasn't the, the major story and uh, and it, people were very, very upset and it did take you know, Cal Ripken's streak and then it took the, the home run chase um, that really got it back as the number one story on that, on the, 10 o'clock sports center, you know, that baseball was finally king again. And, uh, you know, and I feel like it was like that for a couple years, but, you know, not too, too long because yeah, I, I think basketball just kind of kept surging ahead and now it's really you know, put baseball in its uh, rear view mirror and, and it continues to do so. And I don't know if we can get back there. I, it doesn't seem like it just because it's so far behind, but yeah, I, I guess anything's possible. Basketball was that far behind, you know, even in the eighties, you know, before Jordan. So, um, and I don't know what kind of record, you know, record, uh, breaking, uh, chase that some, some player might, you know, be able to do, you know, whether it's DiMaggio or chasing 400 or something like that, that could get a lot of even fans that maybe have kind of gotten to that stage where they don't really, uh, you know, they don't like what's happened to the game. Uh, could something like that, that at least will bring their, you know, childhood excitement back to, to see somebody, you know, chase a record like that. And I think that's what really did happen in 1998 and why it became, why it came back to the forefront. It was just something easy that people could gauge. Uh, and it was a, you know, a record that Roger Maris's record was, everyone knew that everyone learned that at an early age growing up. Baseball still has that. They have these records that that's, and that's probably even, you know, I, I could open up a whole nother can of worms with, with the baseball, um, you know, of, of changing these records and everything. And, uh, you know, we can even get into, you know, what records will mean in the 60 game season, yeah. but you know, so, something like that could get baseball back into it, but I think it's just gotta be, it's gotta be the players because, um, you know, and getting players more visibility. I think that's, what's really happened with basketball. You know, Le- LeBron and Durant are on social media and, uh, you know, all, all these other guys, you just see their faces and you see them everywhere and you see them in commercials. And that is why your sixth graders just know who these guys are because they're so visible. And you really can't say that about baseball. And I think that's where it has to come. And even bringing that back to, to, to prepare it to what happened in 98 with the home run chase, McGuire and Soso were everywhere. When my wife and I watched that 30 for 30 about the, the home run chase and my wife's a few years younger than me. Um, and not as obviously nowhere near the same level of, of a baseball fan as me growing up. She said the one thing that she remembers, of course, growing up in Chicagoland about the 98 home run chase was that McGuire and Sosa were on McDonald's cups. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. And they were all over, you know, McDonald's advertising. And, you know, how can we get that to happen? How can baseball players be back on McDonald's cups, <laughs> you know, and, and they're, and, part of an ad campaign by a company as big as that. You know, I feel like that that is what we're far away from because these guys aren't just household. They are not household names anymore. Yeah. And that's a shame because there are great young stars in the game. And this leads me to Mike Trout because there's a, there's a lot of things going on with him. One would be that I think a week or two ago, there was speculation that maybe he would elect to not play this season. We're a week away. It seems like he likely will play. And that's good because he is the best player in the game. Hands down. 
but for being the best player in the game and having this sort of all-American appeal, you would think, there has not been a quieter superstar in baseball history that I can remember. And maybe Ted Williams. I know he wasn't Mr. Personality, but, you know, he... I have frustrations with what I view as a missed opportunity. And a little bit of it is on Mike Trout for electing to sign a long-term deal with the freaking Angels, which are, no one cares about the Angels, at least, you know, the casual fan. Uh, and as you can tell, Casey, I probably have a hang-up from 2002 when it was the Rally Monkey and Thunder Sticks and they beat the Yankees. So I don't like the Angels in general. But the other part of it would be that yeah, I think I saw today on Twitter. He's on he's on like a super pretzel, those frozen pretzels you get at the grocery store. You can see Mike Trout on a box of that. But you mentioned the McDonald's cups. Why is the best player, you know, this this version of Mickey Mantle, like our our Mickey Mantle right now, is nowhere to be seen. I don't even know what his voice sounds like, and I that that blows my mind that the best player in baseball is like an invisible man. Even. You know, let's bring it a little bit more into our era, Carp. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., you know, yeah. he was the face of baseball when we grew up, and he was one of the coolest guys alive with his backwards hat, and he dominated those home run derbies. You know, Trout, as far as I remember, has Trout even been in a home run derby? I don't Not that I, I remember, know. no. You know, why? You know, I, it's like LeBron not being in a dunk contest, but, you know, that that's a different conversation. Trout should be in the home run derby um, and just kind of being more present. I, you know, I, I think one of the probably most famous things Mike Trout is known for right now is being a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And that's, you know, I, I think almost the problem in <laughs> yeah. a nutshell is that he's known for being a fan of a different sport more than he is known for his own sport when he is, yeah, the best baseball player that we've seen, you know, at least Barry Bonds. Barry you know? Bonds yeah. And, Part of it, obviously, is not being in the postseason. I think that a lot of casual fans will at least watch the playoffs. And if he were to, uh, you know, to carry the Angels to, you know, a World Series, even you know, appearance or victory, he would at least be on those Fox commercials that you see every night. Uh, you know, when you're watching uh, the Fox Sunday broadcast of football, you know, in October you would see those Mike Trout commercials and you would see the highlight that he made the night before in the world series. And I think that would go a long way. And, and yeah, obviously, you know, he, he signed with the angels and that's what he felt was right for himself. And, you know, they're getting better. They're getting about, you know, they're becoming better. And I, I'm sure that's what his hope is that the team will become, uh, you know, a, a team that he can go to the postseason with. Um, but, you know, there's, I don't, you know, I don't want to really get into a race discussion, but I, I think it is, you know, generally white size or white size baseball fans are, you know, more, uh, you know, white males, and you know the other the other sports that they are behind, like you mentioned, that basketball and football are, uh, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, a diverse, um, not only um, player base but fan base, yeah, and. and Baseball, you know, almost needs, you know, more, they need more coverage of, you know, all, all different races. And yes, there's a ton of, uh, you know, uh, Dominican and, uh, you know, Cuban and, um, you know, the Hispanic uh, player base is, is, is so good in, in baseball. And I just don't think that they're getting the uh, um, tr transparency, you know, from the sport and not, not being pushed. And then, of course, you know, the African-American 
population has just been going down and down and down in baseball and you know you know thankfully like the white Sox has somebody like timmy anderson that's really trying to push the sport for you know the chicago fan base but that is a player that obviously that the, the sport should try to be pushing these guys um forward and what that means is also uh embracing the you know the flair that these players are that they want to bring on the field and get away from that uh you know ancient uh belief in baseball that that, that the sport has to be played one way the same way that it was played in, yeah 1910, you know, that players can't show any emotion on the field. Um, and that's what not only, uh, you know, I, I think from a, a, a racial diversity uh, fan base will, will get more interested in the game, but youth as well. You know, the, you're going to bring down your your fan base's age if you're you're allowing these, you're allowing fans to see these players have fun on the field instead of just kind of looking all, you know, buttoned up and, and it's played only that certain way. I, I don't think, I mean, that's a big problem with, uh, you know, many many sides of the audience being brought into the sport right now. I'm looking right now at the most popular player jerseys from 2019. Could you guess number one? From 2019? Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to guess because it's just, I would say it's got to be a big... Uh, big market team. Yeah. I'll go Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was number one. Bryce Harper, two. Cody Bellinger, number three. That's the name that... Okay. I mean, I shouldn't say we forget. I mean, baseball fans certainly know, but casual fans still need to kind of catch up with it. Javi Baez, number four. And as much as I love Javi, probably not the fourth best player in Major League Baseball, but he's got that personality. And then all the way down, number nine, the best player since Barry Bonds. And and you could already you could have an argument that uh, in terms of, I mean, every metric says that Mike Trout's one of the top five players that's probably ever played the game. And yet... It's it's very frustrating to think that when all said and done, we could be looking in a situation where, you know, for one, I'm not staying up late to watch the West Coast teams. I know that's that's a yeah. whole dynamic that makes it tough even for a player on the Dodgers. But if you were, let's say, on the Dodgers, and you mentioned the postseason coverage and the fact that you have these promos running during football season in September and October, and Mike Trout is on. I, I recall in September when they're previewing the playoffs and the Angels are maybe in the wild card race. You might catch a glimpse. But but pretty quickly, and more often than not, he's not, because the Angels are not. It just seems almost as if we're being robbed, even though certainly I could buy the MLB package, whatever that is, and stay up late and watch Mike Trout. Um, but no, <laughs> it's, just, I, it's amazing how every other sport, NBA and NFL specifically, do such a great job of marketing their superstars. And is, this, is that something that a commissioner does? Is that part of his duty to market? I think so. He oversees everything, right? Right. I, so, I would think he'd have a hand in this. Well, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's just it's just not done, and I think it's because uh, baseball has the idea. I, I mean, I, I guess this isn't. Maybe it's it, it, you know we talked about these players when we were growing up, Ken Griffey Jr. and you know even Barry Bonds. I guess pre when we all knew he was on steroids, he was still such a big superstar, but. You know, I think the players kind of almost boosted themselves up uh, above the sport at, 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 during that time. I don't think we can really do that anymore. Um, so that I think the sport basically has to help the player is what I'm saying. But I think maybe even as someone like Rob Manfred doesn't want a player to be bigger than the sport um, just because of that old fashioned feeling. Oh, um, my God. I hope that's not the case. But <laughs> well, for the most be. part, anytime Rob Manfred says anything, I, I disagree with. So yeah. if he believes that, I, I wouldn't be surprised. 
Let's talk about some. I feel like this conversation so far, and I mean, I'm 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 asking these questions that almost make it seem like oh, baseball's in a terrible place, and yet and yet we're a week away. So these are conversations that that are macro, and there'll be conversations we can have, unfortunately, for the next year and a half. But when it comes to this season, so here's how we got it set up: we got the three regions. We have each team will play 40 divisional games, so it's going to be heavily weighted on your division, and that means 20 games interleague, so to speak. So an AL East team is going to play 20 games against an NL East uh, schedule and so on for the regions. Let's just go region by region here. Let's start out the West because whether it's here in central Illinois or on the East Coast, the West is always, eh, it's the West. But it's actually a pretty interesting race out there. Um, starting in the American League West and looking at, we mentioned the Angels and the fact that, yeah, they have improved and they have the best player in the game. Um, but as you look at that, is it still the Astros' division to lose? Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, you know, they lost their manager, obviously, lost their general manager for the for the season. Um, but they still have the best team on paper. They still have the majority of the superstars uh, that they've had the last several seasons. Uh, Garrett Cole, withstanding. Um, it, you know, so the rotation did drop peg. You know, they got Zach Kremke basically last offseason, to, I think, to – to soften the blow when, if that, you know, knowing that Garrett Cole would likely not be on their team. Um, you know, part of it is be there. They is because they have those superstars still that they are still number one on paper, but the, the other part is that no team did enough to replace them. I mean, the angels did go get Anthony Rendon, which is obviously a huge uh, addition. Uh, you know, they might be closing the gap a little bit, um, but not nearly enough, I think to, to place, uh, you know, my, uh, my belief in, in who is the favorite in that division, um, you know, and I, I'll say this caveat one time just so I don't have to keep saying it as we talk about all of this, but anything can happen in 60 games. Anything can happen. The Seattle yeah. Mariners could win this division in 60 games just because <laughs> they usually play well in the first half size. of the season. They, they, you're, yeah, they're last right season, there yeah, at the end of May. Really, so, um, yet the other interesting thing that I do want to say with the West is, they're like the one, I think it is the AL West mostly because of Seattle. They have to travel like way more than yes. uh, any other team in all of baseball because you're going from, you know, Arlington, Texas to Seattle, Washington. And that's just a huge distance, way more than anyone else. So I, you know, we'll see if that has any effect. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, uh, the talk about, you know, the virus any more than we have. It's just that much more. Uh, of a risk, I guess, just being, you know, uh, I don't know how often teams are going to be busing these places that are, you know, not too far away. You know, I'm sure like the Sox and Cubs will be busing to Milwaukee and don't have to fly, um, don't have to necessarily stay in hotels as well. But the West just has a, a they're like, you know, it is the wild West out there. They have yeah. to go that much further than everyone else. And it has an impact. I think it, it could have a, a, at least a slight impact on the overall record just because you got guys whose legs are not going to be under them. It could become more of a, a muddled mess in the West for both the AL and the NL, which, by the way, uh, speaking of the AL West and the Rangers' new stadium, and it, it blew my mind. I didn't even realize this until about a month ago, that they were making a new stadium because the old ballpark at Ar Arlington wasn't even 30 years old. And right. it was considered one of the nicer of the sort of retro parks that were made in the 90s, and now it's done, just like that. Just just surprised me because it seemed like a nice park. Um the NL West, of course, is the Dodgers' division to lose. Uh, but is there a team, in, and you mentioned the caveat of the 60-game schedule, that is most likely to slip in there and, and maybe find their way on top of the Dodgers, even though I think we could say with some certainty the Dodgers are so good that, worst case, 
they're going to get a wild card spot, even if they had a bad 60 game stretch. You know, there's not anyone really close at all on paper right now. It's the Dodgers. You know, the Diamondbacks, I think I, I would put in second place right now just because they're a really well-run organization since they changed the regime, regime a couple of years ago. They've done a lot of good things, a lot of smart things. And, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've stayed in the mix the last couple of seasons. You know, it's been so hard, you know, in the mix in the NLS is 20 games behind the Dodgers. Um, but in the mix, at least the wild card race, you know, Rockies, have a bunch of holes, uh, you know, uh, and then the Padres, uh, you know, are, are still an up and coming team. And, you know, I, I think the Diamondbacks are, are you know, and the Giants, are, I think if I had a list, you know, I, I said, I said I wasn't going to bring this up again, but uh, <laughs> with the 68 season, if I had to pick any NL team that I thought would have absolutely no chance, I would put the Giants last. They're okay. just that far below everyone else's. And that's even before Buster Posey decided to, right. you know, not, and he opted out for the season. So, the Giants, you know, they are way, way down there. Um, the Padres have a bunch of young, up, you know, up and comers that they could, in a sixty-game season, really kind of, I don't know, put it all together for a, for a little bit of a stretch. Um, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they if they made a push. But uh, going back to just on paper, you know, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, when when I came on with you before the season was was really supposed to start, you know, I said that, the, the, you know, there were had it, there wasn't a, a, as big of a league favorite, you know, in several years, I, I thought, as the Dodgers. And, of course, nothing, you know, I, the shortened season will change that a little bit as far as, you know, what odds I'd put on them winning it. But they're still above and beyond the favorite in, in not only the NL West, but the NL. So we have Astros out of the West in the American League, and we have the Dodgers out of the West in the National League. Uh, from each division, uh who would you peg as the most likely to snag a wild card? Yeah, I would say that the angels, you know, it, let's get, let's get, let's, uh, let's hope, you know, let's, let's put that hope be that, that uh, sure. we can get Mike Trout in the playoffs. But I, you know, I don't think it's just hope. I, I think the team is, is, is improved from last year and have a real chance at getting to the postseason. And the national league West, anybody yeah, for the wild card, do you yeah. think they're going to strike? Yeah, Diamondbacks, you know, wouldn't shock me. Okay. I would put them as the, the, the likeliest. For the Central, this is working. Well, let's do the Central last because I was about to finish with the Yankees, but that wouldn't make any sense considering we're in freaking Illinois. So <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to remember my audience sometimes, Casey. Let's go to the East because you were talking about travel. And uh, I, certainly some of the teams in the Central, they're going to have stretches where they hardly have to travel at all when you have the uh, NL Central especially playing each other. But in the East, it, it is just, especially in the Northeast, so many teams that are close to one another. Yeah. Okay, in the National League East, loaded. I know the Marlins aren't anything to really write home about. The Mets are interesting, for sure. Braves, Nationals. Um, why am I forgetting the fifth team in that division? Phillies. Uh, Phillies, yes, of course, with Joe Girardi. And now Didi Gregorius is over there, too. So in that NL East... What is the likelihood that the Nationals win the division? They were a wild card team, I believe, last year, right? Uh, that's correct. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's not extremely likely. I, I think you just you mentioned how, how strong the team is. I don't think anyone would, you know, if you were just like listing the odds out, you'd have to, you'd, you wouldn't give anyone a huge, um, you know, favorite over the others just because this, this is going to be the most brutal division, I think, in yeah. baseball because, um, a lot of talent and they're, they're clumped up in, in um, you know, and comparing across the board, um, you know, and the Nats, you know, we talked about Rendon going to the Angels. Obviously, he had to leave the team, so he, he left the Nats. 
Um, you know, so that's, you know, one less piece for, for them to have. You know, I, I think it would be very, very difficult for them to – they didn't win the division last year, so, but it would be very, very difficult for them to to win the division this year. Um, I put them, you know, below, I would say, the – you know, I'd go Braves, Phillies, and then Nats wow. uh, if I was doing a pecking order right now. Okay. So we're looking at potentially two wild cards out of that division because I mean, you say yeah. the Nats third, but at the, at the end of the day, they're still a very good team. That just speaks to the power of that division. And so are the Mets. You know, the Mets are very good as right. well. Uh, you know – they're, they've kind of become a you know a joke on, on baseball Twitter, just, and I and most of that I think is pushed by Mets fans because you know they kind of joke with, at, at themselves, and you know, and lo and behold, Jacob Degrom is already uh, nursing a, a bad back, yeah. I believe. So uh, whatever that training staff does, it, it just doesn't work, nope, <laughs> and nope. they always just have the the, the worst injury luck, and it, it's already starting. So, uh, but they have the talent, uh, you know, and Cespedes. Looks like he, I mean, he has said he wants to play, and that would be such a huge boost for them to have him, um, you know, with, with that great pitching staff. And, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm forgetting the, the rookie of the year, uh, <laughs> the big bopper, uh, Pete Alonso. Yes. Um, yep. uh, you know, the lineup is great as well. If that team can stay healthy, obviously they have as good of a chance as anyone in the division. So you like the, sorry, I, I missed it. It was either the Phillies or the Braves to come out of that I, division. I said the Braves, you know, um, and they made news yesterday signing Asiel Puig, just a great signing. Uh, you know, the yeah. outfield is loaded now with Marcelo Zuna. Uh, we haven't brought up all podcasts. The NL is going to be playing DH rules all season that's long. Right. So yeah. and that, that is just that's huge for them and for the Mets and for other yeah, teams that got the, that it's, lineup. It's such an interesting, uh, you know, obviously because these teams really didn't prepare for it. Uh, they didn't expect to have a designated hitter when they were planning this offseason. So, um, you know. Uh, an addition like that, though, makes a ton of sense for a team that's going to have a designated hitter this year that wasn't as supposed to. Um, you know, Puig, you know, is uh, an interesting addition to to any outfield because he can make the great play or he can, you know, make a boneheaded play. So uh, I think I'd put him in my outfield just because that arm, you know, is second to none. Uh, and then you can DH someone like an, uh, Marcelo Zuna, who you were planning on playing a lot in the outfield. Um, but they got a bunch of guys. Uh, uh, Ender Enciarte is a defensive whiz, so he can come in late defensive games. Um, and then that pitching staff is just so loaded, so young. Uh, Max Fried could become, you know, one of the next uh, aces in this league. Uh, I just think that that team, is, you know, one to twenty-six or one to thirty as we start, is one of the most loaded in the in the National League. And uh, yeah, love that addition of Quinn yesterday. American League East Yankees probably the. The favorite going away in that division more speaks to the Red Sox slipping back a, yeah. a decent amount, and the Rays are going to be good. We we know that, but as you look at that division, Yankees uh, presumably we pencil them at the top. What else are you looking for in that American League East? I'll say right off the top that in a sixty-game season, the Blue Jays. Yeah. I I know that they're. Their window is probably still two, three years away, but I saw it time and time again, and this happens with any intra-divisional opponent. You kind of get sick of them, uh, but I don't get sick of that Blue Jays team because I, I know it's every famous baseball player's kid is in that lineup seemingly, but they can rake, and if the pitching staff can just kind of hold up for 60 games, I could see them being a hassle. And I guess the real big question is, do we know where they're going to play? Because I don't <laughs> right. believe we have any idea... Uh, still, where they're going to be playing home games this year. Um, no, you're right. They they did the rebuild. They they got all these you know uh, top draft picks and uh, you know flag, 
Guerrero Jr., um, you know, being an international guy, uh, signed, uh, you know, a couple of those guys, uh, you know, off the international market. And yeah, you know, it's, I'm going to mirror what I said about the Padres, you know, they just have that. I think these young, youthful teams that, you know, could really just kind of come out and just be excited and just, um, you know, start off with a bang. Uh, it's only 60 games, so if you have a really good, you know, first 25 games, you're going to put yourself into a position to at least be in the race all season long. And I certainly can't see the Blue Jays doing that. You know, it's a tough division. You know, Red Sox, yeah, took a step back without bats, but still got a very good team. And, they, you know, they're on a sale as well. Um, and, and you mentioned the Rays are very good. Yeah, I, I agree with you putting the Yankees at the top, but this is a very good division as well. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm not going to – Put them, yeah. I, I put the NL East in front of them just because yeah. the AL East has the Orioles, but the, the other four teams are at least all competitive. Yeah, not uh, in the top. Um, the balance is a little bit more, I guess, uh, a mixed uh, between the, the five teams uh, uh, compared to the NL East. But yeah, this could be a very, very fun division to watch, at least with those top four teams. I'm guessing you would put the Rays as a wild card favorite, or at least in that pool for a wild card spot, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, they made some, you know, they always make interesting moves, uh, you know, kind of that all go a little bit under the radar. And that's just kind of obviously how that team does have to operate. They can't get the big free agents. They did more this offseason. And, uh, you know, what they win last year, like 90, uh, 90 94, 95 games. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't take a step back. So they're going to be right up there again. All right. As we look into the AL Central, your White Sox. We talk about the, I mentioned the Blue Jays. The White Sox to me are a more complete, well-rounded version of maybe yeah. where the Blue Jays will be in a year. And we've been seeing that process unfold up at about to Comiskey. You know what place I'm talking about. Um, we've we've been seeing that unfold though uh, with Rick Hahn and what he's done the last few years. And the 60 game schedule. I think we might have talked about this the last time we spoke a couple months ago. That uh, if there is a shortened season, it would actually play into their hands. Would you agree that the White Sox maybe not the favorites? In this division, but I think we can very comfortably put the Tigers and the Royals way down here, and then we'll kind of see what happens with the Twins, Indians, if their name sticks, and the White Sox up top. Right. Yeah, if I had, you know, I said the Giants are the team that I would give the least chance. I think the Tigers might be the team. Well, Orioles or Tigers would be the team that I give the least chance, even in a 60-game schedule, to to make any noise. You know, they're not, they're not. Part of the conversation, um, you know, obviously they're way at the early stages of a rebuild. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I think as we compared, uh, yeah, it, it, when we were talking about 162 game schedule, uh, you know, I said the Sox and the Indians and the Twins would all be close and the Sox were just a little bit behind odds wise for those two teams. But when you shrink the schedule down, the odds just become that much more crunched. So I think these three teams are all going to be. Uh, up for a huge race all season long. They'll get to pick on the bottom two teams, and so they'll win a bunch of games against them, and then it's just kind of will come down, especially with how many games they have to play against each other. It'll all be come down to how these teams do head-to-head, which is kind of a cool thing. That That's what this 60-game schedule will allow is just awesome playoff races, and the Central should have a really good one. Um, and I know that we mentioned about when we were talked about you know how late this season would be pushed you know, further along into the year, you know, that the White Sox would be getting a lot of guys back. You know, one of those guys that we did talk about was Michael Kopech, who, mm-hmm. yes, he is not going to be part of it because he decided to opt out. So that is off the table. But Carlos Rodon is the other one that just kind of makes this rotation just that much more complete. He's ready to go. Uh, we talked about, you know, what they would be able to do with him if he would be a bullpen weapon 
doesn't even look like that's going to happen. I think he's going to be full go to start the season. He's going to be a starting pitcher. So, um, and, and that's, you know, yeah, that is the, the big difference, like you mentioned, between the Blue Jays and the White Sox is the White Sox do have a rotation that's ready to go on like the Blue Jays. So the Sox have it on in, in the pitching, um, you know, have, have depth now with, with the addition of Rodon. And then, yeah, yeah, it's a young lineup that certainly can mash. Uh, Evan Encarnacion is, you know, the big power addition yeah. in the middle of Great the lineup that, that just kind of makes it that much deeper. You know, you're not necessarily – uh, depending on, uh, you know, a young Eloy Jimenez to, to get to be your RBI man, because he's got this guy who's done it as well as anyone over the last decade plus. And, uh, you know, they, they've been mashing balls in, at, at guaranteed rate field so far this, uh, summer camp as they, I guess they're calling hits. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be fun as a White Sox fan. Uh, that's what's got me super excited. Watching Luis Robert is just a joy yeah. and a half because he is, a monster at the plate and he is a gazelle in the outfield. Um, you know, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, Griffey comparisons. That's at least a little, you know, it's obviously sure. some hopeful thinking, but I, you know, I, as a White House fan, I really have not had that five tool guy that I've ever got to be a big fan of. And I'm just extremely excited about Luis Robert. And it's really awesome watching him play. And uh, I can't wait to watch him face the actual major league pitcher. Will you take that leap and pick them as the central winner? I think when I was on with you, maybe even before COVID, I said no. I, I'll, I'll say yes now. You know, why okay. not? You know, I, I got that much uh, excitement flowing through my system, uh, mostly because of the White Sox right now. So, yeah, what the heck? Why not? You know, I, I think the Kopech thing, I mean, it's unfortunate. He, he did what it was right for himself and his family. That would have been such a cool piece to have, especially this is going to be weird baseball. Right? We really haven't gotten into, no. you know, how stretched out these pitchers are going to be and how much we're going to see, you know, five inning outings. You know, we, that's what where baseball has been headed the last couple of years, just kind of on a strategy basis. Now they're going to have to do it because of just almost forced into, you know, fitness wise where these players are, you know, uh, we're going to see pitchers get hurt because um, their arms are not ready. So it's going to come down to teams that have a lot of depth and we're going to see players get sick. So I think depth is such a huge part of any, uh, any team that you're going to pick to go to, to, to win this thing, to, to be ready to go once, you know, when and if this postseason happens. So you got to look at teams with a lot of depth and the White Sox, you know, have quite a lot, quite a bit of it because of, you know, what they've done in this, this rebuild. I went ahead and put the twins in the wild card pool, just knowing what they got and that they'll probably be in that conversation throughout the year. Looking at the National League Central, Interesting division. Again, I wouldn't say by any stretch the best division, but I even look at a team like the Reds and think that in the 60-game schedule, they could win that division. They have enough. What What do you like in that central? And will we, would we agree that the Pirates are just kind of there hanging out and then it really is a four-team race? And it, to me, this is maybe one of the harder divisions to pick just because you got a bunch of good, but I don't know if any team is particularly great. Yeah, I think, you know, if you compare the Central to the East, you got four teams that are going to be in the fight, but none of the four of them are probably at the same level of the four teams in the NL East. I think I would pick any of the four NL East teams to win the division if they were in yeah. the NL Central, if yeah. that makes sense, because I just think that, that their ceiling is just much higher than anyone in the NL Central. Uh, and partially it's because none of these teams were, you know, the, the most active team in the NL Central this offseason was the Reds. They got a lot better, but... Um, None of the other teams really kind of pushed forward. Um, you know, Cubs, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the, 
you know, coming from uh, the, the, the local landscape is, you know, it, obviously the talk was that they just, they didn't do anything this offseason. They didn't really add, uh, you know, it's kind of just a waiting game on who they're going to decide to build the next stage of this team around um, because they're not going to be able to re-sign everyone. And because of that, they just kind of sat on their hands this offseason uh, and decided, you know, I guess who who shows up this season, who's the healthiest, and, and decide from there. Um, and, and the Cardinals more or less did the same. Uh, they didn't really do a whole lot you know, uh, and just kind of, I, I think, Kept an eye on the Cubs. They didn't do too much. The Cardinals didn't do too, too much either. Um, the Brewers hopefully will have Yelich all season. And, and that, that's obviously, I probably, you know, pound for pound the best player in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, for whatever that means in baseball. But, you know, they, they, none of these teams have, you know, an extremely strong starting rotation. Uh, you know, there's not really an ace, you know, I guess Jack Flaherty and maybe in the division is probably the best pitcher. Um, Cubs already are down a Jose Quintana. Um, on a weaker pitching staff to begin with. So it's it's a lot of more just kind of blah in the NL Central, unfortunately. It should be fun, you know, race-wise, you know, as far as, you know, watching these teams kind of go against each other. Um, you know, you're going to have the bunch of those games against those the teams that we just talked about in the AL Central as well, um, you know, including, you know, the, the rivalry, rivalry between the Sox and Cubs. I love that the last weekend of the season uh, will be Sox and Cubs and yeah. possible both of those teams could be fighting for the division, which – Obviously, we would never get that in a real regular, you know, 162. So that's fun. Uh, I hope that happens. Um, and, you know, power ranking wise, I probably, you know, it's hard. Uh, it's hard. You know, it's I'd very hard. Car- you know, Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers. But I think any order of those three wouldn't be wrong. And, and yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if some people push the uh, the Reds in that mix as well. Uh, I, I put maybe the Reds just because I haven't seen it just a step behind those teams, but no, uh, obviously, you know, uh, even in uh, 162, they would have been fighting for uh, the division as well. Would we agree that one team will come out of the NL Central? And the reason I say that is just how loaded the East is, that we'll get potentially two wild cards from that East. And if it isn't two from the East, I think the Diamondbacks may be more likely to get that wild card spot than a second team out of the NL Central, which I think at the end of the day is just going to be kind of a muddled mess in terms of records. You know, it's interesting to think about. I'm just kind of like testing my math brain out here right now because, yeah, some of that, you know, comes out in the wash in a 162-game season. You know, when you're playing these teams a bunch, you get a bunch of teams beating up on each other. But in a 60-game schedule, you know, you might get, you know, even let's say, you know, the, uh, the NL Central, those those teams get to play the Tigers and Royals a lot, you know, more than obviously they would in a regular season. So, could that be a bunch of free wins for, you know, um, one of those teams to get ahead of one of those teams in the East who not only have to play each other in the yeah. NL East, but they have to play the AL East. So schedule wise, the NL Central probably has it a lot easier than uh, the NL East. So maybe it's possible that, uh, you know, two teams could come out of the Central. All right. As I look at this, we could do a whole breakdown. But the, the, the thing is that you mentioned the 60 game schedule, and I know that's a caveat, but it's a pretty big caveat. You mentioned the DH as, as well, and we didn't get specifically into that. But that certainly would help a team like the Cubs that they don't have to trot Kyle Schwarber out in the outfield nearly as much now. He can just be the DH. So as you look at this 60 game schedule, universal DH, the playoff situation is the same and teams only have to play in regions. Are we looking at a situation that solidified Yankees-Dodgers um, or maybe Astros-Dodgers even more than before? Or, on the contrary, do you think that this situation actually will lead to more chaos than normal? 
I think there will be more chaos than normal. I think there's a team that we did not list, you know, maybe a couple teams. Uh, you know, I will say probably two two teams at least uh, that we did not list as uh, making the playoffs as as and, and, and will because, you know, I think all of those things that you listed are reasons why, and there's even more reasons than we've even been gone over yet because I think that teams will, you know, have illnesses and have injuries that no one has ever seen. And you just cannot bounce back from them as much as easily as you can. Uh, um, there is a trade deadline, you know, I, I, you know, August 31st yeah. trade deadline. I don't know how active teams <laughs> right. will be because yeah. you don't know how do you, yeah. How do you even, you know, where do you even place yourself after playing for a month? Um, you don't know where your team is. And that even go, becomes, comes in before, um, you know, the conversation that we started this with. And I don't want to get back to it since it, we were, you know, it was such a Debbie Donner talk about these owners not wanting to, to pay players, but is an owner going to want to trade for a, a star that makes a bunch of money for this 60 game season for a playoff push? I doubt it. So, you know, if there is a big injury, if a team loses a star, if the Brewers lose Christian Yelich, they're done. You know, I, I think, you know, and that's why I think a favorite could really easily just fall off the map quickly. If they just have a big injury and then just get into a slide, you lose, you know, you know, 12 or 15, you're done. You're, you're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, we've already seen that effect of, of COVID-19. Uh, DJ LeMay, he was returning to the Yankees. He was their best hitter last year. And just as Aroldis Chapman comes down with it, and he's out for the foreseeable future. And, the you know, since it's summer training or summer camp, whatever we want to call it, oh, that's no big deal. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, that's great. We'll have everybody back in time. But, oh, if only it were that simple. Because uh, as that article that you retweeted out earlier today, when the travel starts, you got to stay in hotels. You got to get food, probably delivered to you. I know they're going to be pretty much living in as much of a bubble as possible, but you still go out in the world, and and there's just that uncertainty with it. But I will say this, Casey. You know, when I think about next Thursday, and I I'm, I need to ask you this question for opening day. I already know what I'm going to wear. I know what we're having. We're cooking out beforehand uh, over at my sister and brother-in-laws. We're making a whole thing of it. And I would maybe do something similar for any opening day, but I think the fact we had to wait this long makes next week that much more monumental. So what is your opening day going to look like? Do you have a White Sox jersey or jersey that you will be sporting? What What's your routine? Uh my White Sox jersey, the only one that, that fits me these days, is is a Frank Thomas, you know, retro. Classic. Had to go back to, you know. Pinstripes we'll, we'll, or gray? Uh, gray. Okay. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, we'll be decked out for it, regardless of, of where I watch it. Um, and, you know, I think maybe, you know, a, a Louis Robert jersey has to be in the mix at some point. Too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that much excitement. Uh, my brother-in-law's named Robert. That I, I really want to buy him one as well, just because it's just so easy. Put Robert right. in the back of your jersey. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. We've waited so long, like you said. You know, it's been you know, it's gonna be weird because all these sports are coming back at once. We're almost gonna be just kind of on a you know a overflow after not having sports for so long. You know, I've gotten you know enough of just watching golf because it's the only thing on, and it's just sports that I can put in my life. And if all of these things go right, we're gonna have baseball, basketball, and hockey all come back pretty much in the same week, uh, and maybe will give us some sense of normalcy, allow us an escape of. 
you know, everything that's going around in the world and just be able to, to, to watch these things happen. And hopefully, you know, they stay safe and they stay healthy and we're not necessarily inundated with that stuff while we're watching this because, you know, that's what the point of sports is. And yeah, yeah we had to go this long without them. Um, and, and hopefully they know, you know, uh, and I'm talking about the commissioners and the owners uh, on, on how much that the fans are just looking for this outlet and they take all the precautions necessary on, on keeping this around because one of the biggest, you know, I, you know, I don't want to necessarily, you know, take this, uh, uh, take this podcast just uh, on, a, on a nosedive, but you can, it's I, fine. Something that I've thought about is what if the season is canceled right in the middle? Oh like <laughs> how, <laughs> it could how much of a, yeah. How much of a punch in the gut would that be? It would suck. Um, and I, you know, I, to that point, Casey, I'm thinking about, you know, today as we're talking, uh, Josh Whitman came out with more details about what football Saturdays are going to look like and says that they're still optimistic. But I, I think back to a month ago, and maybe it was about a month ago when finally Major League Baseball figured out the negotiations, or they just said we're doing 60 games. And it's amazing the difference a month makes, or really even a couple of weeks makes, where you know, as good as I felt about the whole situation, COVID-19 and just, you know, our, a potentially normal summer and early fall, I felt that about four or five weeks ago. And now it just seems like it's getting hot. You know, this is the whole thing's becoming a hot zone. And that, that just makes me really concerned that something is going to happen to the, to the point where Major League Baseball just has to say, hey, for the health and safety of our players and staff, we just got to we got to cut it and it would suck it, i don't even want to think about it but i know it's a possibility yeah and even if you know let's say one team gets it you know what are they going to do are they going to postpone these games right. for two weeks so you know I, I don't know the schedule is so crunched in already that um just logistically i don't know what you even do only if one team goes down and it seems like the odds that at least one team will get severely infected is really really high <laughs> i mean just looking at the outlook across the country um um, so uh, what do they do? You know, they're not in a bubble like basketball. They don't have as much control. Um, I listened to a podcast recently about what they're doing with that NBA bubble. And it sounds really, I'll say cool. Hey, you know, right. as no, much yeah, as you can say something is cool in a, in a situation like this, but the fact that they do have to take their temperature and their uh, pulse ox every single day before they can even go into the gym. Um, I, as far as I know, nothing like that is happening for baseball. And, and you really can't because there's not a bubble in any of these uh, scenarios, um, especially not, nothing anywhere close to what NBA is doing. And uh, baseball just seems to be, I mean, obviously the sport is outdoors and, the, and all of that's going to, you know, have a much different impact than it would, uh, you know, than why the NBA has to do it the way they're doing. But it's still just that much with travel and all of that. It's just there. The risk is so much higher. And, uh, you know, I, you know, like we said, we're excited for Thursday. We're, I'm excited for this Sunday to watch Sox Cubs on ESPN because I, I am 99% confident that those things are going to happen. We're going to have baseball on our TV next week. Uh, and let's just go from there. Last question before I let you go, Casey. I appreciate all the time, by the way. I give you, I'm going to give you five teams against the field. Five teams okay. that, and it doesn't even be in any particular order unless you want to, but five teams to win the World Series in the shortened year. And then uh, you're a betting man, let's say, you're going to Vegas and you're putting money on which five teams? Uh, Dodgers, uh, absolutely, number one. Um, I think that, that's the only one I will, will really rank. So yeah. I'll put the Dodgers number one. Um, 
I will say Yankees, Astros, uh, Braves, I will throw in there. Okay. And um, fifth one's the hardest. Uh, yeah, I will say uh, the race. Wow. Okay. In a 60 game season, absolutely. Because it does seem like that yeah. team, and I say a team that won, you know, 94, 95 games last year, but uh, that this could lend itself well to that team. Now, back to the caveat of they play in Florida, and that's not where you want to be right now. But, um, and I do wonder too for Vegas odd, odds makers if they're actually paying attention to hot spots and factoring that into World Series projections. So, for example, are they thinking, yeah, we, the Astros were looking a little bit better a month ago before Houston became the next New York city. And, uh, it's insane Casey that we need to consider those variables, but, um, I, I just need to get to opening day. And, and, and here's a final thought that I'll give you to try to spin the, the worst case scenario into a positive, just the experience of watching games. Even if I know the rug's going to get pulled out for me in September, just the experience of watching some games will be such a welcome relief that, uh, if they happen to cancel this thing, That'll suck, but at least, at least I had those 30 games in late July and August, you know? We, we'll take anything. <laughs> Watching the TBT was fun just because it I was know, games right. of, of somebody that we had <laughs> a rooting interest in, and that's what baseball will provide as well. Casey, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate all your time. Where can we find uh, your stuff? Because as we get into baseball season, I, I know that you're going to be active. Yeah, at Casey Bogusaw, I will certainly be very active on Twitter, uh, and I am still writing for... At, Future socks, uh, and I'll be getting into that soon. Um, with with all that's going on, you know, the, we're going to have a guy at the taxi squad in Schaumburg watching these young prospects playing. Sure. So, uh, even yeah, follow everyone over there at Future Socks because they do an absolutely wonderful job. Casey, looking forward to fingers crossed playoff preview into September, and uh, we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Carl. Casey. Take care. Excellent stuff from Casey Boguslaw. Baseball is around the corner. And you know what? I know we talked about worst case scenario, but I'm going to stay optimistic and say we get a whole season in, we get a World Series champion, and even more optimistically speaking, the Yankees will get championship 28. And as weird as it would be, right, as weird as it would be to win a championship in a shortened season during a pandemic, it still counts. So, you know, whoever wins, reason to celebrate. Yeah, you can't really go out in the streets and party like you normally would but at the very least you can party in the comfort of your own home if your team wins a world series in 2020 i hope that's the case let's call a 50 50 shot as i finished the podcast today mark emmert came out today with a statement saying that unfortunately the way things are trending you know unless we get a hold of this pandemic it's going to be hard to get college sports off the ground in the fall that's just a fair statement to make I know that I've said before I delineate college and pro sports in this situation because pro athletes got representation. They can say no. They can opt out. All of those things. College athletes don't have that. Plus, you have the health and safety concerns of students at play. That's why I'm more optimistic that you do get a Major League Baseball season completed, that you get the NBA season completed, even though that is in Florida. I know, but it is in a bubble and so far so good. And NHL, same sort of thing. We'll see how that goes because I think they're looking at hub cities for that, but yeah, it is an exciting time. We, we so badly need it. I need it. You, the listener, I'm sure you're ready for us to be talking about live sports again. God knows I'm ready for that as well. doesn't mean we're going to avoid other topics, but it will be that much more fun to come down here, flip on the microphone, and talk about games that are being played. And even for the little brief run that we had in the basketball tournament with House of Pain, I think that shows how tantalizingly close we are to this, how much we really want it to come back. And now that we are less than a week away from doing so, 
I mean, it's right there. We can see it. So whatever your team may be, I hope that you enjoy your opening day experience. We'll be back, of course, next week with a couple more podcasts, talking a little bit of baseball. Uh, I'm, we'll be gone the week after that. So I think that is July, what is that, 27th? through August 1st. I'd have to check the calendar on that, but going to be up in Wisconsin that week and hopefully coming back in time to talk, you know, college football training camp. What does the Big Ten only schedule look like? All these sorts of things. It is amazing how things are continually evolving. Pieces are continually moving. And I know that the overall trend isn't great, but maybe just maybe I'm holding out hope here that they will uh, actually get these games in. I'm thinking about Illinois football, which I think you all know I'm not the most excited about Illinois football. But this year, of all years, hell yeah. I really, really, really want Illinois football. And now that we got the details of what game days would look like at Memorial Stadium, it seems like, okay, maybe we're one notch closer despite all of the skepticism that I think we rightly should have as we enter this period. But stay safe. Uh, enjoy your weekend ahead. Got to remind you, of course, that this is brought to you by DP Doe. You can have them deliver a delicious piping hot calzone to your door anywhere in Champaign-Urbana by ordering at dpdoe.com. Also, if you want to stay cool and look cool, 4thandkirby.com. Plenty of awesome t-shirts, vintage-inspired Illini apparel at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL or the 200LEVEL for 10% off at 4thandkirby.com. Finally, stay from agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff, all insurance experts and their local products. So they have your local interest at heart. They're all from East Central Illinois, the Champaign-Urbana area. Check them out online at brianismyguy.com. Got to thank Jeremy Warner and the Illini Inquirer staff for being partners with the 200 Level and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network as well. You can find our podcast on those websites also through any podcast app you may have. And while you're at it, if you've made it this far into the podcast, I'm going to ask you one final thing. Rate and review us. It helps us get found when people type in Illini, Illini Sports, anything like that. When they type it into their podcast app, that helps them find the 200 Level the more that we get rated and reviewed. So check that out. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay cool, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week for two episodes before we get out of here for vacation number two. Until next week, it is the 200 Level.